Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will boldly say of the Lord, He, He is my helper. Amen. I remember... um, it was maybe just a couple of weeks after my husband went home to be with the Lord. And um, I, was, I remember where I was standing. You know how when God speaks to you, it freezes that moment, doesn't it? And uh, he said that that phrase came up. I will boldly say of the Lord, he is my helper. And uh, when that came up, the Lord asked me something or said, stated something rather. He said, do you know how I help you? When you put my word in your mouth. Amen. Amen. In other words, just because you're now a widow, I'm not going to help you any differently. You're still going to have to put my word in your mouth. Just because you're going through something, God does not bypass the way he helps because it is a certain help. It's, It's a help that never fails. Thank God for the help of his word in our mouth and he runs and meets that word. He hastens to his word to what? Perform it. Hallelujah. If you want some performances, speed up what you're putting in your mouth. Fill up that mouth with his help. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, turn to somebody else and greet them tonight and then you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope that my, for those of you who were here this morning, you'll know what I'm talking about if you weren't or didn't see what happened this morning. I hope my Dufresne-isms pass Pastor Debbie's test (laughs) because she's very passionate about the Dufresne-isms that came from my husband, but I believe I'm correct. You can double check me, Pastor. I'm open to it. Um, one of the things that my husband would say by the spirit of God is in this last day era, the fivefold gifts, offices operating at full potential power, the nine manifestations of the spirit, gifts of the spirit operating at full potential power for that to happen. Everything connected with them has to be at full potential power. It's not just saying I'm believing for the fivefold offices and the gifts to operate at full potential power when the other things that are connected are not operating at full potential power. So it means we come up in all the knowledge and we reach for more. Amen. And we, we don't settle for anything less than fullness. Amen. Hallelujah. But one of those things, and God's been dealing with me about, and I'm so thrilled that he is because it so refreshes us in this, is I want to have you turn with me to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. Praise the Lord. Psalm chapter 8. And 
And we're going to see in verse 4 what is written. There's other passages where this is recorded, but I like the, the particular wording that we find here. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Think of it. You're in his mind. You're, uh, his thoughts are full of us. He's thinking of you. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made man, God made man, a little lower than the angels. But the Hebrew there for the word angels is Elohim, which is not angels. It's God. So, for God made man a little lower than himself. And God has crowned him, ah, with glory and honor. And look at the next phrase, thou made him to have dominion. He made man to have dominion. This word, when we look at dominion, could also be the word dominate. You made man to dominate. He didn't make us to be dominated. He made us to dominate. Made us. He built us that way. He equipped us that way. Adam lost that dominion, but Jesus came and got it back. Right? He made us so we need to be wearing what we're made for. Have you ever tried to put on something that wasn't made for you? I mean, before, before, uh, even before this conference, I ordered some shoes and stuff. I, shoe shopping is some people's fetish, but it can, it, it's not mine. I have other fetishes. And I ordered a particular size. And when it came, that said that number on there, but I guarantee you it was at least three to four sizes smaller than the number. It was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> It's saying it's this, but it couldn't perform it. Let's be true to what we're made for. We're made for dominion. We're made for it. It fits us. Not to dominate other people's wills, but dominating the circumstances of our life. Opposing circumstances that come. You were made to dominate, and that's why if we're not dominating, that's why people get cranky. They're being dominated. Lack dominating people. Mental torment, fear, symptoms, dominating, and then wonder why they're hard to live with. People are hard to live with because they're not being true to what they're made for. They're not wearing what was made to fit them. Being in dominion, it fits us. Yes. Amen. And it's not dominion we won for ourselves. It's an inherited dominion. Yes. It's a shared dominion. It's the exact same dominion Jesus illustrated when he was on the earth. And then he won dominion for us, restoring it back to us. It's a shared dominion. Yes. Amen. 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 We were made for it. I said we were made. It's 
it's a vital part of our inheritance. Yes. And I would dare to say that much of our inheritance depends on us exercising what we were made for. To enjoy the inheritance, to enjoy health, to enjoy prosperity, to enjoy a, a life of peace and joy. We have to wear, put on what we were made to wear. And that is authority and dominion. And many times the other components of our inheritance will be robbed from us if this component is, is, is held back. If we veer or drift from this. And I would say to you that if it seems like life is pushing you around, if, of all things, refresh yourself in your dominion. If it seems like circumstances are bearing down on you and you're fighting to keep your one nostril out of water. This is the place I would begin. Am I walking in my dominion because I'm being dominated right now by something that doesn't fit me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And this dominion has to be a daily exercise. I say it this way, exercise yourself every day in your dominion. And you go, well, what do you mean by that? Every time symptoms show up, tell them no. Every time. Every time lack shows up, tell it no. Every time fearful thoughts, talk to them. Every time, every time. Uh, in parenting, and this is not about parenting, but parenting shows this and illustrates this well. The way your kids turn out has very much to do with what you do every day. If they get by with talking back to you for about three weeks, and then all of a sudden one Wednesday you just get fed up, and you blow up, and you demand that they talk right, it's going to take them a while to get. It's going to take a while to get them back because you've set the momentum in the other direction by what you permitted. Anything you don't resist has permission to stay. And you can see that our dominion reflected so well when we think of parental authority. Because that's one of the things I so appreciate about my mother. There were four kids. You've heard me tell stories of her. You're going to keep hearing me tell them. There were four kids, and my dad was a farmer, and he, was, he worked 18 to 20-hour days for years. And so we seldom saw him. And so mother was fully in charge, and she knew how to, how to wear it. <laughs> and she did well because three of us are pastors, and my, my, my sister uh, is a teacher, or she just retired from teaching. And we're all active in our church. Of course, my brother's pastor, and she's active in her local church. And so mother did something right. And if I looked back, I would say it was this. My mother consistently exercised her parental authority. And I'd have to point it back to that. There was never a day she said, I'm too tired to deal with you. If she was tired and worn out, all of a sudden, all you had to do is do something wrong and she got energized. It was amazing how it would prop her back up when we did something out of line. 
we could just look at her wrong and she'd get energized. I think that, that, I think that energized her more than saying something wrong. Because uh, at least if you say it, you're, you're kind of, you know, being all out there. If you just do it with your eyes, you're trying to be shifty. And she liked that even less. And uh, you, never, you never wondered what version of her you were going to get awesome. as her child. And if you're not consistent with your parental authority, you're unfair. As a parent, you are unfair. Because it's not right that they get by with it one day and not the next day when you trained them that they could get by with it. And then all of a sudden they get spanked for not getting by with it. That's unfair. And many lives are being treated unfairly by the devil due to not daily exercising themselves in authority. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. But uh, we can have have, uh, authority flowing every day. Every day. It's what you do daily that you gain skill in. Not what you do randomly, periodically. And it's going to take skill with our authority. Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. We cannot bypass this. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. And we won't take time, we certainly could, but we won't take time to read the whole passage starting with verse 17, 16 really, Paul saying that he prayed a certain way, that God would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, the eyes of their spirits being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Which he worked, verse 20, which he worked in Christ. His mighty power, which he worked in Christ when God raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Look at this. We love it. Far above. Far above. Then we could just camp on these these three words. Far above all. Far above all. Far above all principality. Far above all power. Far above all might. Far above all dominion. And far above every name. Why does he list these? Because all of these oppose Jesus being raised. The power that is for us, what it worked was it raised Jesus, raised him past death, Raised him past all of these forces that ganged up. They ganged up. Trying to hold him down. It raised him up far above them all. Not only that, it seated him. It seated him at the right hand. Amen. In verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet. That's That's what this power did. Had put all things under his feet. And not only that, then it gave him to be the head. Yes. 
He's there by divine authority. Gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the headship is exercised through the church. He's the head, we're the body. We share the exact same authority and dominion he has that he won, that was exercised in his behalf, shared with us. When we say that we're raised and seated with him, we're not just the father, Jesus, and then a bunch of seats. The head and the body sit in the same chair, the same seat. When Jesus, as the head, wants to do something, the body has to get involved. Has to for it to be accomplished. I mean, if you were to say, I want to, I want to get up and go uh, to the back room, your head thinks of it. But your head can't do it. The doing of it's in the body. Your head can't get off and leave, you, leave the body in the chair. You can't separate it. We have an exact same authority the head has because that's the only way the head can accomplish. The plan of the Father is through the body. He needs his body. He needs his body doing what he says his body can do. Amen. If, if the body says, I can't do that, but the head wants to, you got to know what you can do. And you got to do what he says you can do. Even if you say, I don't feel like I can do it. If the head says you do it, you're authorized and empowered to do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now look down a few verses at Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, with Christ, with Christ, not apart from him, with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. We're raised and we're seated. We're raised and we're seated. We're raised and we're seated. Not because we've done everything right, but because he did everything right. Amen. The devil does not want Christians to know that you have total authority. Total authority. He seeks to hinder that light. I said he seeks to hinder that light. People say, well, they'll accuse God of something going wrong. And they'll say, well, if authority is mine, why? Or they'll say this, you know, why why does God let this happen to me? Because God allows what you allow. When God has authorized you to dominate circumstances, opposing circumstances of your life, and you don't do it, he's got nothing else to hand you. Amen. And actually, if we were to say this, if we were to say, God, why did, why did, why did you, why'd this happen? Why did you let this happen? Why didn't you stop it? He would say, why didn't you? That's right. That's right. Turn with me, Matthew 18, 18. Matthew 18, 18. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
<clears throat> Matthew 18, 18, this is Jesus speaking. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you, whatsoever you, whatsoever you shall bind. We could say this, forbid. Same thing. Whatsoever you bind or whatever you forbid on earth shall be bound, forbidden by heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose or permit on earth shall be loosed or permitted in heaven. Notice where this authority begins on earth. Whatsoever you allow, God, heaven allows. Whatsoever you bind, heaven binds. In other words, heaven backs us up. When we exercise our authority, heaven backs us up. Why? Because it originated from God. Yeah. Amen. So whatever we bind will be bound. Whatever we loose shall be loosed. In fact, there are some things that will not reach our life until we loose them. Remember when Jesus, of course, it was prophesied by the prophets that Jesus would come riding, the Messiah would come riding into Jerusalem on a colt, remember? And when it came to that time, Jesus said to his disciples, there's a colt tied up over in such and such location. Go there, unloose it, untie it, and bring it to me. And if they ask you, why are you doing that? Say, the master has need of this, and they'll let it go. Until Jesus told them to unloose that thing, that colt's not coming. He's showing us. Until we use our words to loose things, that job won't come. That house won't come. The things that belong to you as right of inheritance won't come because Jesus gave us the authority. God gave us the authority through that that shared seating with Christ, that whatever you bind will be bound. And people are waiting for heaven to initiate things, but God has, because you have the authority, you're authorized to initiate things. Amen. Praise the Lord. Every encounter with the devil, anytime something opposes you, Something tries to hinder or hold back. Every encounter with the devil needs to be with the consciousness that we have complete and total authority over him and he is already defeated. Always approach him. Think of him as defeated. Instead of bothering me. Oh my gosh, it's getting worse. No, he's defeated. Every encounter, every encounter, he's defeated. Why? Having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. Amen. In fact, if, if we, we need to realize this. We are authorized to live as though we have no enemy. Why? Because he's defeated. He never has the authority or the power to rise up and dominate. Unless we lay down our authority yes. in his presence. So we're authorized to live as though we have no enemy. Simply because he's a defeated enemy. 
Now you think about the things that people struggle with. Um, you'll remember, I'm sure that you have read, if you haven't, get hold of it. If it's been a while since you've read it, pull it out again. Dad Hagen's mini book, How God Taught Me About Prosperity. In that, Jesus spoke to him. Dad Hagen was praying for money. And God spoke to him and says, don't pray for money the way you have been praying again. Don't pray that way again. He says, I don't have any American currency up here. Oh, God, give me money. Oh, God, give me money. Oh, God, I need money. He says, I don't have any. You're wanting heaven to give you something. He said, everything you need is on the earth. It's already there. And then he said, this is what you need to do with it. Number one, claim how much you need. What are you doing? You're using your authority in the earth. That's authority in, the earth, in this natural realm. Claim how much you need. Number two, tell the devil to take his hands off of it. That's you using your authority over demons. Number three, tell the angels to go and cause the money to come. That's you using your authority in the realm of God. And then number four, he said, then worship until it shows up. So we are to use our authority in the natural realm. With, when Satan's realm is hindering and opposing. And in God's realm. Our authority works in every realm. Notice, those four steps can't be fulfilled without our authority. You can't prosper without the exercise of your authority. Amen. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. And we have to be skillful in the exercise of our authority that we first think what, when something shows up, what can I do? What do I need to be doing? Instead of what can I get God to do? As a pastor, you know, one of the things, and I say this to God's glory, is that in our local church, we're now celebrating this year our 30th year in our church. We have never had one church split. We've never come close to having one church split. No, nothing, nothing of that. You want to know why? Because God put a pastor there. And for 25 years of me pastoring, I walked in that pastoral authority. And when things tried to get out of order, I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. Now, let me tell you this. I did not pastor by my personality. And let me say, let me qualify that. My personality colors my pastorate, but it doesn't lead me in my pastorate. I am not a confrontational personality. Now, Ed, he's all up for it. He was all up for it. We have often discussed if my husband were alive during this season of COVID thing. Let me just say this. Him and I would have been thrown off of every commercial flight. Thrown out of every restaurant. Because he would not have done it. He wouldn't comply. Not that he's rebellious. He confronted things that weren't in order. Yes, yes. I mean, just, 
If things overstep the line, it's, it's one thing to, as long as it's appropriate, but when it's no longer appropriate, now you're overstepping, right? It's just, that's just my husband. It, he had a temperament that just, I, I can, I can t- keep you here all night telling you stories. I can keep, I can keep you here on an airplane when somebody just bam on his seat, authority jumped up. Put out his chest, ready to, ready to brawl right there. And then he'd sit down, it was so funny. He'd, it, it, I'd, I'd just, oh Ed, come on. <laughs> and it was so cute and, and he would say, the devil doesn't like me. <laughs> But I'm just saying there was in his temperament, his makeup, he never shied away from confrontation. I mean, he just, if there was something going on, what was going on? What's going on? It was just part of him. But that part was left out of me. I didn't have that. But as a pastor, to keep the people safe, to keep the plan of God moving forward, to facilitate the will of God in that place. I'd have to stand up and use my authority. And when things would try to get out of place, I'd say, no, you don't. Because I didn't pastor based on my personality. If you're going to obey God, every time God tells you to do something, you're going to have to step over your flesh to do it. You're going to have to step over your... And if you won't go against your flesh, at that place is a weak point where the devil has access. And I say that to say this. You're going to have to get past your personality because this use of authority is not about personality. It's not about someone who is of a, of a bold demeanor. Yeah, right, 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 right. Aggressive in their nature and approach. It's not about that. It's about what has been authorized on the inside of you. And I want you to know the use of authority without revelation just becomes meanness. And rudeness. And rudeness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about knowing who you are and knowing that Jesus paid the price so you don't have to put up with things, pushing you around, stealing from you, robbing from you, stealing your peace, that you have a right to stand up, not based on personality, but based on divine authority, a legal standing with heaven, authorized to stand up and say, no, you don't fear. No, you don't. You're not running my mind. You're not tormenting me. Depression, you're not doing that anymore. And the devil will always bring up how you missed it. And you better be skillful at bringing bringing up the blood and how the blood annihilates any misses. You know what the blood does for us? One of the things it does for us, it authorizes us to stand in the face of adversity as though we never missed it. As though we'd never sinned, as though we never went the wrong direction, never made the wrong decision. That's what the blood does for us. And you have to be well aware of that when you go to exercise your authority because the devil's going to try to bring up something of your past, something significant to you, to try to push you back from the use of your authority. I, uh, the devil doesn't want you to find out about your authority and he doesn't want you to use it. I, I, I remember something that a, a minister told me who had taught at Dad Hagen's healing school there in Ramah at Tulsa. And he said, uh, 
you could teach on faith, you could teach on confession, you could teach on healing and different things and people, you know, would improve and things. He said there would come a time in healing school that we would start teaching them their authority in Christ. And he said, invariably, you started teaching on that on Monday. He said, by Friday, you had more people that were there that were now in the hospital than before. Why? Because the devil was challenging their use of authority. And he's trying to make them think that theirs didn't work for them. So he would increase the opposition. It's like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thing. They're using their authority. They just turn it up hotter. That's what the king said, seven times hotter. Why? Didn't you think the regular one would work, you know? And that's what the devil does to try to get you to back down. If a parent hasn't been exercising their authority and the child's been running, somebody's going to wear the pants. Somebody's going to use authority. Authority never lays around unused. Somebody's going to pick it up. If you lay yours down, the wrong person will pick it up. It might as well be the one paying the bills. I authorize you. If those kids have been getting the flow of authority out of them, you go to take that back, they'll buck against that. Devil do the same thing. If you've been laying down your authority in some realm, mentally, physically, materially, spiritually, some way you've been laying it down, there will be an uprising trying to back you off of the use of your authority. But you just keep standing your ground. And you just keep using your authority because your authority always works. Always works. And when it looks like it's not, now you know for sure it is. Amen. Skillful with this exercise of authority. Skillful with the use of authority. That you're not moved by when things don't seemingly change. Nope, I, I, I said it. Nope, I already laid the word on that. Nope, that's, that's changing. Um, thank God for these heroes of faith that God has given in the body of Christ in times past. And if you'll ever find a con- at least one, uh, several common threads, of course, between all of them, they're men of faith. They're men of obedience, men of consecration, but they're also men of authority. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Summerall, we were on a trip one, one year, years ago, in the 80s uh, with Dr. Summerall. And uh, we were over in Israel and there were around 600 or so ministers on that trip with us. There was a, a young minister who had a, really God was bringing to the forefront. Every, probably every one of you would know him. And uh, <clears throat> he had just gotten married. He was in his late 20s. He had just gotten married, hadn't been married quite even a year when we went on the trip. And his wife had uh, this, I don't know all the 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 situation around it, but she would get headaches that were beyond migraines. That she would sit on the side of the bed when these headaches would come and hold her head and just scream. And the only relief they could get is they would have to take her to the emergency room and it wasn't painkillers that they'd have to knock her out because she could not endure the pain of them. So we arrived in Israel and we weren't there maybe six hours and they called Dr. Sumrall 
And uh, she was sitting in the hotel room there in Israel, screaming, holding her head. And they called Dr. Summerall, and uh, Dr. Summerall came to the hotel room to minister to her, and he knocked on the door. The pastor opened the door, and the moment the door opened, all the pain left. He didn't even walk in the room. Why? The door was open to authority. Someone skilled in their authority. And that which was harassing her recognized a man of skilled authority. Every one of us have authority. But it's about gaining skill with that authority. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. It's not an automatic hearing of that. We want to hear that. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And people always focus on faithful. Well, that's good, but that's not what's even listed first. Well done, thou good. If you're not good at your job, that man doesn't need you. An employer doesn't need someone who's not good at their job. What is it? What makes someone good at their job? Skill. Well, I love my boss. That's fine, but that won't accomplish the job. Well, I love this company. That's good, but that won't accomplish the job. There has to be skill to be good at it. No matter how much your heart is in it, there still has to be skill. Your love for your job is no substitute for the lack of skill. Our love for Jesus is no substitute for the lack of skill in the use of our authority. Well, I love the Lord. That's good. But that's still not the exercise of your authority, the skill of it. Dr. Summerall was in, uh, you probably heard the story. It was in, he's in the Philippines. Before he went, God spoke to him. He was pastoring in South Bend, Indiana. And God spoke to him and says, I want you to move to the Philippines. And he says, I'm going to do more for you there than I've ever done for you anywhere. He walked downstairs. His wife it was a Sunday. She was preparing Sunday lunch. He walked down there and he told her what God said. And she looked up, the tears running down her face because she knew when her husband heard from God, they're going. And she said, when are you going to tell the church? He said, tonight. When are we leaving? After that. <laughs> and he says, when God tells me to move, I don't wait for the sale of a house or the sale of property to give me permission to do what God said. Wow. God said to go to the Philippines. Wow. He didn't say go to, go to the Philippines when your house sells. Right. He said go to the Philippines. Wow. So he says, I just turned everything over. I've got to obey God. He got to the Philippines. He tried for six months to minister to people he would witness on the street one-on-one advertise he'd start a church no one came he would minister to people on the street supposedly get them saved get their personal information of where they lived and stuff he'd go to the address to visit them and it's a bogus address every single one of them and after six months it's just him and his family still there holding sunday morning services passing the offering bucket down to his family Passing the same $20 around, I guess. <laughs> but still, just doing it. And in the midst of that, God said to him, I want you to build an auditorium of 10000 He said, God, I can't even get anybody besides my own people, my own family to come. And he says, I said to build an auditorium of 10000 And he bought an old 
World War II hangar and converted it into a seating for 10,000. Then one day, after he finished that, or was in the process of it, rather, he's listening to the radio, and the announcer says, if you have a weak heart, you need to turn the radio down. So Dr. Summer reached over and turned it up. <laughs> he says, I learned this. Every time fear tells me to do something, I do, or not to do something, that's what I'm doing. He said, if, the, the, if fear tells me there's a boogeyman behind that door, he says, I go kick it in. And he learned. See, that's called skill. Skill. And he turned up the volume on that radio. And they said, there's a young girl, 17-year-old girl, who's been picked up for prostitution. We threw her in prison. And uh, ever since she's been in here, bite marks are appearing on her body. And she screams and she's tormented. If there's anyone that can help us, come and help us. And they played live audio of her screaming on the radio. And God spoke to him and says, I want you to go set that girl free. Now listen to this conversation. Dr. Summerall only been there six months. He said, send somebody else. <laughs> Why? There, there were established churches that had been there for generations. There were other denominations. There was a Catholic church, which was the, the main church there. But there were other spirit-filled denominations. And so he, being the newcomer, right. he thought it appropriate that someone who had been there be the one that God used. And he said, use somebody else. Now listen to what God said. I don't have anyone else. God said that. I don't have anyone else. Now, what does he mean by that? There's other Christians there. What does he mean? He doesn't have anyone skilled enough. Skilled with their authority. He went into that prison. He first went to the mayor to get permission to even go minister. Because the, one of the wardens in there uh, hit at her. And she said to him, you'll die within 24 hours. He's dead. Mm-hmm. The doctor came in and said, she's making this up. She's just putting on a performance for attention. She said, you'll die. And in 24 hours, he was dead. So people are dropping dead at her word. So the mayor said, nobody gets in to see her without my permission because I can't have more people dropping dead at her word. So Dr. Sumrall went to the mayor and got permission. The mayor said, I'm going with you. And so they went and uh, she would go into this, uh, she'd go unconscious at different times. So he went in there to deal with her and she just goes unconscious. That's what, you know, the devil goes inactive. Like, And he grabbed her and just walloped her upside the head, brought her back to consciousness. But first he spent time praying and fasting before God, before he went in there. And uh, this girl did not know English, but when Dr. Summerall came in, she started speaking, this devil speaking through her spoke in English. And started cursing his mother. And he listed all the attributes. Because she was a woman of God. And listed all her attributes. He answered. See, authority answers. It doesn't just sit and let the wrong thing do all the talking. Not converse, You're not conversing. You're answering. Now there's a difference. 
And then this devil speaking through this girl cursed God. And so Dr. Summerall answered, listing all the attributes of God. Then cursed Jesus, and he listed all the attributes of Jesus. It cursed the blood of Jesus. And Dr. Summerall listed all the attributes of the blood. And then he dealt with that demon in her and she was set free. He walked out of there with her completely set free. The next day, they dismissed her into the home of someone who was a congregation member in his church. And she became a pastor's wife. She had been orphaned as a girl. Her dad died when she was a baby. Her mother died when she was 12. And the ladies on the street said, this is the only way you can make a living. But God had another living for her. And a revival was on in a nation. Dr. Summerall had told the man, there was a man there that he knew of, and he said, how many Bibles do you have on this island? And he said, stacks and buildings full. He said, you're going to run out. He said, we wouldn't run out in a thousand years. By the time that revival was over, within a week or two, they had run out of Bibles on the whole island. Why? Because one man became skillful with authority. Skill with authority brought a nation into the move of God. So when we repeat what my husband said by the Spirit, and other ministers have said it, fivefold offices operating at full potential power, that's not going to happen without this skill. Nine manifestations of the Spirit operating full potential power, not without this skill. We have to know our authority. It's our inheritance. And it's the permission the body has so that the head can get his way in the earth. Amen. Amen. Dad Hagen was a man who exercised his, his authority not maybe as uh, in the same exact way that Dr. Summerall did, but still it flowed through him with the same results. Yes. There was a pastor who was uh, going to travel with Dad for on a particular trip, and they were going by car. And this pastor was a diabetic, and Dad Hagen knew about that, and he said to the pastor. As long as you're with me, you will not register any sugar. He said, you'll have no need of that insulin. And that pastor, that you know what, you, you may not know this, but traveling ministers are fed pretty good. <laughs> Everybody brings out their best recipes and they're, they're their best recipes. If you ate it all, it would be, you know, mm, portly. <laughs> Two ton titty from Tallahassee. <laughs> if we obliged ourselves. And so um, this man was getting to partake of all of the wonderful meals that was offered Dad Hagen, and he said he ate dessert every night, which he normally didn't do. He ate dessert every night and never registered any sugar. And when he went back home, he said it was 11 days 
before he ever registered sugar again. And Dad Hagen said, because that stuff can't function in my presence. You don't have the authority over people's life until they come into your realm, your, your domain. We are kings and priests unto him. And every king has a domain. You don't have the, you can't work your authority in neighbor's domain, but in your domain. And when this pastor moved into Dad Hagen's domain, his authority of his domain blessed that man. And that man for 11 days after he went back home, before that started registering again, and it dawned on him. If that man's authority can do that for me, what, what could my authority do for me? And he ended up putting his faith on it and was set free from that on his own faith. Dad Hagen used his authority to bless. The main use of your authority is to bless. To bring blessing on people and to people and to your life and to be an example so that others can see what their authority will work for them by looking at what your authority is working for you. I love, and I don't have all the numbers before me. I I wish I did so that I could tell you all the numbers fully. You ever heard of a man by the name of George Mueller? He was uh, an English preacher, Bristol, England. He lived in, this was in about 1850s, somewhere around in there. Uh, There in Bristol, England, there were so many orphans because of epidemics and plagues that were so prevalent and prominent. The average person lived 40 to be 40 years old, and that, that that was about the average. During that time, there was, they said, at least documented 250,000 orphans living on the streets of Bristol, England. A quarter of a million children that had been orphaned. And so God began dealing with him about having an orphanage, a place for these children. And uh, he said by faith, he would believe God for the operating and the maintenance of that. And at the time of his death, he had, a, he had facilities that housed 2,500 orphans and uh, thousands and thousands went through all of the years that he was ahead of that ministry that came through those facilities. But he tells a story that's remarkable because he needed 20,000 pounds, and I don't know what that came out to in American money, but he needed 20,000 pounds to build the next building that he was going to do. And the way Brother Mueller did it is he wouldn't start building till he had all the money. And he wouldn't go into debt, and so he wouldn't build until he had all the money. And so he would tell God when he would receive offerings, he'd say, God, I thank you for this, but it's not 20000 And he was daily reminding God that he was believing for that 20,000 pounds to come. One day there was a young man, probably in his early 20s, that came to George Mueller and said, Would you pray with me? And he said, What, is, what about? And he said, Well... He said, God is sending me to India. Now, you can imagine in the 1850s, it was, a, it was not an easy trip. It was not a quick trip. And he says, but his parents, because they, of course, they had in England, there, there was classes of society. And his family was of one of the highest. I mean, they were, 
if they weren't nobility, they were ranking up there with nobility. Very, very wealthy. And he said, I told them that God is calling me to India. And they said, no, you're not going to go. And so he said to George Mueller, he says, I'm just going to go. And George Mueller said, well, he said, young man, he said, the word says, honor your mother and father, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Let's not dismiss your parents. And he said, well, you don't know my parents. Because he said, they're very wealthy, they're influential, and they've said no. And he says, so you don't know my parents. And George Mueller said, well, young man, you don't know my God. Amen. He said, let's pray that God would move on their hearts. So George Mueller prayed that God would move on the heart of his parents. And so a week or so later, the young man came back and said, Mr. Mueller, he said, thank you for praying. My parents have agreed that I can go to India. He said, but I have another prayer request. He said, God's been dealing with my sister about her going with me. And my parents have told her no. She's about a year or so younger than him. And we both feel the call of God to go to India together. And my parents have said no. And so George Mueller again prayed. And about two weeks later, he got a letter with a box that was sent. And it was from the sister. And she said, my brother told me that you had prayed and... God had moved on my parents for him to go to India, but you prayed again and God moved upon my parents and now they have agreed that I can go. And so she said, I am sending in this box the toys of my vanity. You know, a, a, a dressing table. Yeah. We'd call it a vanity. Yeah. Yeah. And so she said, the, the, the toys of my vanity, I'm sending it because I don't need it in India. And he thought, well, I've got 2,500 orphans, just not enough toys, you can't give... a you know, toys to just a few. And he thought, I had no idea what it could be. And he said, I opened up the box. And he said, there in the box, it looked like the crown jewels of England. He said, there were diamonds and rubies and sapphires and bracelets and tiaras and necklaces and rings. And he said, it was a box filled with jewels. He says, I called the jeweler. Many times people would give them jewelry and they would turn it into cash and support the orphanage. And so the jeweler looked at these and said, these are some of the rarest and finest I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and um, I don't remember what it came out to in pounds. But it came out to, in American money today... Over $300 million. Wow. And George Mueller, you can imagine, <laughs> he took one of the diamond rings and he carved in the glass of his office that God is my provider. And he said, he, he was born in Prussia. And he said, in my homeland, he said, we have a saying, and it is this, God's time is the right time. And he said, when I look at that, all those jewels, he said, God had this day in mind when he stocked the earth with the riches. He said, he had this day in view. His plan. And he said, and when the men were mining all this wealth out of the earth, he said, 
They were mining it for this day. And he said, and when the jeweler set these in these fabulous settings, he said, the jeweler did that for this day. And when the young girl chose them for her own, she chose them for this day. And he said, now they have arrived at the day they were made for to further and fulfill the plan of God. I want you to know your authority is for this day. It's for this era. It's for this time. It's for this move of God. And you need to recognize that it's not just an option. It's a requirement. We must have the operation and the skill of our authority in Christ to move and fulfill, move with God and fulfill his plan for this hour because the head cannot fulfill it apart from the body. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Skill. How do you gain skill? Every day. Every day. No one gains skill missing days, missing weeks, missing months of the exercise of it. No, uh, we've seen coming off the Olympics, I guarantee you they didn't take weeks and months of not practicing their craft. And they did, everything they did was with gold in mind. And every one of them know I'm not getting gold. There's that reality. Everybody knows they're not getting gold, but they didn't practice for bronze. None of them. Ran out and says, I'm going to run, batter, run faster today so I can get a bronze. That just, it's not in the vocabulary. I tell you what, the use of our skill affects just more than us. What happens when those Olympians win? The nations start tallying up medals and they gain influence and they gain uh, attention through those, the skill of those Olympians. The skill we bring gains attention for our kingdom. Gains attention for our father. Gains attention for his plan. This is not just about what we get out of our life, but it represents the kingdom that we are, that we are citizens of and born into at the new birth. Amen. It matters that we represent our kingdom with the authority that belongs to us. It's a shared authority. Amen. So think of in your life what's there that you don't want to be there. You're authorized. And heaven will back you up to say no more. No more. No more strife in my marriage. No more torment in my mind. No more fear. No more lack in my finances. No more. Amen. And if something needs to come and the home you live in is not enough. It doesn't fulfill your joy. Your joy isn't full there. Then you can call in what you need with your authority. Don't just be okay with where you're at when what you were made for is waiting for you to wear it. You were made for dominion. I said made for dominion. Made for dominion is what the word says. We were made to dominate. Not being dominated. Not dominate people. Dominating circumstances. Dominating cursing with blessing. Dominating death with life. Amen. It's a choice every day. Choose this day. 
Yeah. And then God says this. I said before you, life, death, blessing, cursing. Then he goes, choose life. To make that choice, you have to exercise your authority. Every day. It's a choice we make every day. Hallelujah. Are you helped tonight? Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We're so, so grateful. We're so grateful for the light of your word. We give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you that that authority that belongs to each and every one of us, it's not something earned, it's something we're born into. It's our inheritance. So we thank you that it belongs to us and we shall take our place In that seat of authority that you have made ours. We thank you for it, Father. Just lift up your hands and lift up your voice to him tonight. Lift up your hands, lift up your voice. Worship him. We glorify you, Father. We magnify you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. Mashtika yada bokuriada bekikiye. Mashtika riada bokoye. Mashtika riada boshto kuriata pakariada bakarias. When um, with an anointing on ministers. There's an authority that comes with that anointing. And we're authorized to bless people with that. Amen. Amen. Um, There's one particular way that, not just one, but there is this one that comes to my heart tonight. Because that healing anointing uh, came into my hand this afternoon. And there I can sense that moving again. And uh, it's here for a work, to do a work. Not just so we can say we felt something, but so we can receive of it. So if you're here tonight with heart conditions, any kind of heart condition, high blood pressure, anything to do with the heart, I want to lay my hands on you. Hallelujah. Because that anointing authorizes us to bring blessing upon you. So I don't call that necessarily by word of knowledge. I call it because that's an endowment, a way that God uses us in this ministry. And many times angels will work and reach in and correct, bring things, remove things. Amen. And they'll cooperate with that healing power. So if there's anybody in here with heart condition, come up here and we will minister to you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just come up and if you would just put your foot at the front of at the step if you would. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Congregation, let's worship together.
let's release our faith together for these. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Congregation, reach your hands out this way. Thank you, Father. Ah, behold in Jesus' name. Be- oh, there it goes, love. Behold in Jesus' name. Behold in Jesus' name. Behold in Jesus' name. Behold in Jesus' name. Behold, oh, there it goes, love. Behold in Jesus' name. Behold in Jesus' name. Mashtikikie, the Bokuriate. Ah, Father, what is that? There's some other things he's working on, some other things in. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about in different arenas of your life. Other things that he's working on in, in your behalf. We thank you, Father. Ah, there's going to be a complete turnabout in some areas of your life, love, for the better. We thank you, Father. Ah, thank you, Father, for that, that anointing. Ah, thank you, Father, for that anointing. We praise you, Father. Praise the Lord. We thank you. Ah, there it goes in. Ah, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And for those of you who were ministered to, when you leave this place, just (laughs) permit that to continue to work. You permit it by what you say, by what you're mindful of. Amen. Just thank Him. Thank you, Father. Thank you that it's working. Thank you that it's working. Just say thank you that it's working. It makes me whole. You you remember, you remember with Jesus when He walked up to the man at the pool of Bethesda? Remember what He said? He said, Wilt thou be made whole? He offered him wholeness. He didn't say, do you want to be better? you want the pain to leave? He offered wholeness. That's what we lay hold of. Wholeness. Wholeness. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. There's knees being healed right now. Just give action to that. Do something you couldn't do. Squat down. Do something. Move it in such a way. There was difficulty. There was pain. Just receive that healing power right now. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We're seeing God put new knees in people. People who had bone on bone doing squats for us. No more pain. We're seeing God do that. Don't don't just say, well, mine is bad. That's who it's for. 
burdens for anyone. The the, the anointing doesn't care how difficult your prognosis or diagnosis is. What may be missing or not missing. Amen. Just give action to it. Give action to it. We're not checking, does it work? No, we're giving action to that anointing. We believe in the power of God. It's working. It's working. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Backs are being healed right now. Backs are being healed right now. Do something you couldn't do. We thank you, Father. Move some way that was restricted or painful before. Do something you couldn't do. You say, well, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to cause a scene. This is the scene we want you to cause. God is wanting to cause a scene. Amen. Hallelujah. Do something that you couldn't do before. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We glorify you.
floors. He is wonderful. He is wonderful. He is wonderful. I thank you, Father, for eyes being healed right now, right where you're at. Eyes being healed. Eyes being healed. We thank you, Father. Just take it. Say, I receive that. I receive that. I receive that. We give you glory and honor. We give you thanks. Somebody right at the base of the skull, the top of the neck, there's, there's heat on that right now. That's the healing power of God working in that region. Just receive it. Receive it. Do something you couldn't do before. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We glorify you. We magnify you. Somebody's elbows is being healed. Your elbow is being healed. You have freedom of movement back in your arm. Move that around. Move that around. Do something you couldn't do. Give action to that. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. That somebody, internal organs. He's working on internal organs right now. Whatever, whatever might be amiss with internal organs, release your faith. Receive that anointing into that. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. There was somebody that you, if you pressed on a certain part of your body uh, in, that, in that region of that, that organ, it caused you great pain. If you'll press on that, you'll, you'll find that that pain is no longer there. That pain is no longer there. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We glorify you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Somebody's back lower teeth are being healed right now. Move that around. You had pain. You had difficulty in that. God's healing that right now. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We glorify you. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. What is that, Father? I don't know what this is, Brother Joel, but a fresh mantle. I don't know what it's for. We, ah, ah, I thank you, Father. I thank you. Ah, 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 yeah, I thank you. I thank you, Father. You know what it is? Okay. That's all that matters. It just seemed like that just dropped in the room on, on you, Brother Joel. 
Someone's throat's being healed right now. Something in the throat area. It seems like there was a growth somewhere in that, in the throat area. Ah, that's being healed right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We were doing a meeting and someone watching by live stream, they had like four or five things that God put back. I mean, missing body parts. And then, then after that, they went into the restroom and they started coughing and they coughed out a tumor that was in their throat. Just watching by live stream. I tell you what, just release your faith. That power will work. There was one woman that she came up and she was on crutches coming up to the platform to be on the praise team. Both of her knees completely gone. She said bone on bone. She told her pastor, she says, I'm in so much pain. I don't know that I can come. And they said, we want you to come. And she, and she was normally on the praise team. And she said, Pastor, you don't want me getting up there with crutches. They said, we want you coming. I don't care how you come, you come. And the whole congregation saw her going up there with crutches and had back pain, she said, her whole life. And uh, God gave her new knees that night. She sat and did squats, squat, maybe 15 squats right there in the room with us as we watched. God delights to heal. It is his pleasure. It's his longing because it's yours. He longs for you to have it. And you say, well, how, Pastor Nancy, how? Say, I receive it. It's just that easy. Turn, the, turn this off. It's not about figuring out. It's not about trying. It's from here saying, I receive that. I receive it. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 If you're here tonight in the, in the room and you can tell already it's something changed in your body, raise your hand. If you can tell something changed and something that was called out, raise your hand real high so we can see. Raise it real high. Real, real high. Real, real high. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pray. I believe in the power of God, don't you? I believe in it. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you tonight. We're so expectant. Father, we don't take it for granted to have times like this. Our days have many responsibilities and duties, but nothing compares to this. Being able to come together as the body of Christ, receive of you, flow with you, respond and yield to you it's an honor father thank you for that we give you glory and honor and praise and thanks we thank you jesus thank you for this week and what this week holds we come ready to bring our supply and receive our supply. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's sing something before we leave tonight. Hallelujah. I receive it now. I receive it
for the word we've heard tonight we're not hearers only but we're doers we thank you for that healing power flowing working bringing to pass your best and highest in our bodies and in our lives we thank you for it Father we give you glory and honor and everybody said well, you don't want to miss in the morning, Brother Joel, Pastor Amy Siegel. They'll be here doing the meetings. And you say, who's preaching? Whoever's preaching. Whoever's preaching. That's who's preaching. Amen. You don't want to miss it. And then again tomorrow night through Thursday, 10 a.m., 7 p.m. And uh, turn around to somebody before you're dismissed and say, I believe in the power of God. And you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.